you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. That guy right there has a, he's got a mighty long pole, yeah. It's almost as if you're compensating for something. But a uh, nice pole. Uh, and uh, just be careful like Wrigley Field, if there's some kind of lightning storm coming, be very careful with that big old pole you got. You're gonna be the first one to go, my brother. <laughs> and away we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring... Mr. Stone Gossip! Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs the definitive live pearl jam podcast this week we are doing a show from 2014 austin city limits texas this is the first ever texas show we've done ladies and gentlemen if you're down in the lone star state you're probably thinking to yourself oh hot dang how come you haven't done houston how come you haven't oh, done we're, dallas we're how come you letters. haven't done this we're, we're gonna get letters we're getting letters we already have letters i've written up the responses before you've even sent them out but holy shit After three years, we are doing something from Texas, and it was because it was a request. And that's not due to us. We would do something from Texas, of course. We are open to all states. Hell, I want to do Wyoming at some point. I I love doing the random states. I got nothing against Texas. However, it's just taking us a long time to get to it. This is episode number 151. And a lot of people, especially, I I know Texas people, and I know Texas people are very, they're sensitive. And if if you don't get their state in there, they they get upset. They get get angry. So today, this this one's for all the Longhorns out there. Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there. Hello. I'd like to state for the record that I, I, I I, I was not the one that called Texas a random state or sensitive. Well, I didn't really call it a random state, <laughs> but yes, Texas, let, let's get something straight here. I, I fully admit that New Yorkers can be very sensitive towards like people offending New York. That's a thing. It's also a their, thing. Their Texas, state motto too. is don't mess with us. <laughs> and, well, and here you are. The bear has been poked. Them. The bear has been poked, ladies and gentlemen. This this always reminds me of it, and this is random. There's one of those uh, first Punko Rama CDs had a. There's a band called DFL that had a live song on there, and the the intro was, "Do y'all want Austin to go down as a bad fucking country, or or city, or what?" Like that always. Whenever I think of Austin, it always reminds me of that. 
That's a good call. That might be an intro thing or something like that. Yeah, I yeah. like that idea. Uh, but Austin City Limits is a festival. Believe it or not, it's a festival that happens in Austin, Texas. Pearl Jam had played it once in, yeah. I should say twice, because they did two different shows in 2009. And then they did this uh, little stint in 2014 where they played on the day that we're going to do today, which is the 5th of October. And then they came back a week later. They went uh, they went to Lincoln, Nebraska, and they went to Tulsa, Oklahoma. And they decided, all right, well... Let's let's go back to Austin because uh, we, we had so much fun there the first time that we're going to go back. And they went back and did probably what was the closing night of that little uh, little tour there. So they played both weekends here. What's crazy about this festival? And look, I, I, I saw Pearl Jam at in Philadelphia for Made in America. And that weekend was just random. Drake opened for Pearl Jam. Yeah. Yeah. Drake that Drake oh, yeah. music midtown and music midtown. It was Florence and the machine and ludicrous. That were I mean, them. So, like yeah. Florence and the machine, it's different, but at least like, okay, it's kind of within a little bit of the rock and roll genre. Ludicrous is just, that's that, that yeah. it's ludicrous, yeah. but like run DMC as well. Like run DMC made their return. That was like mm. their, the, you know, the first ever yeah. show without jam master J. Yeah. Before Pearl Jam. And like, I would have been okay if Pearl Jam would have opened for Run DMC for that, because that was super significant and important and awesome to be, be at. But yeah, like sometimes some of these festivals, it's not like Ohana where you're around the same kind of bands and, and you kind of get this feel that, okay, this is a rock festival, but you also have somebody like Brandy Carlisle come in and and it's a little bit different. And, you know, some of the other acts here and there are, are going to be different, but it's within the same realm. Austin City Limits is just like, all right, let's get the best from this. Let's get the best from this and the best from this. And let's just put it all together in one weekend and see if it works. Eminem did one night and uh, Skrillex played. This might be the one and only time we ever talk about Skrillex on this show, guys. Mm. So if you're Skrillex fans, which I, I, I hope you're not. God, Skrillex and Texans yeah, that know. are going to email this week. It's, it's yeah, going to be a bad you're just, week, you guys. Yeah, it's you're, just, be bad. You're, you're firing shots all over the place today. It's weird. Pearl Jam is in the middle of all this, and you wouldn't think that they would ever rub elbows with Eminem or Skrillex. But hey, the, the replacements went on before I'm here. That's awesome. That's amazing. That's like I was going to I would have gone that. to see the replacements first and Pearl Jam second, to be honest. I, I think so, especially, you know, that, at that time, re- replacements were kind of going through a little bit of a, re- a reunion. Yeah, and a I, big, big, they always said they would never come back, and then they did. Right. And, and it was really, what, half the band? It was Paul and and one of the and other Tommy. Stinsons. Tommy Stinson, to- yeah. Tommy. And, and Bob, Bob had long died. He's, yeah, he back in the 80s, yeah. And right. Slim, I think Slim Dunlap had, had had to go through some surgery. He's having, he was having some health problems. Right. So, and. Yeah. Yeah. And they actually, uh, a big shout out to one of my favorite drummers on the planet, Josh Frisch. And uh, he, he, he was drumming for them at the time, and he was mm-hmm. doing their, their tour circuit. And he's guested at a Pearl Jam show before. He's played on, like, Rockin' in the Free World and stuff, right? When they've, when they've played, like, Pearl Jam's played shows with bands that he's been in and stuff. I've, I think I've seen his name. You know, I don't actually remember that. I, what I do remember is I remember he tried out for the band. Uh, or he was in the rotation, uh, like when they were trying to fill a replacement for for Dave A. Mm. He was within 
one of their options, I believe. What I was mentioning before with Eminem, Skrillex, Outcast was the other big hmm. band, like big closing act. Uh, and and you look at and it's funny you look at some of the other bands here and and some of these are the openers that they had for both Ohana and See Here Now like like Beck and Avid Brothers and then you have Lord Lana Del Rey Foster the People Head in the Heart who I like I like Head in the Heart Interpol um it, and then uh, Saint Vincent who kind of has some Pearl Jam ties uh I believe she did a uh a Tremor Christ cover for something at one point uh Fits in the Tantrums Gaslight Anthem who I really like uh Churches it just it's all across the board just stuff that you wouldn't really expect Pearl Jam to be a part of but here we are and there there they were in in the middle of all this but uh this was a show Probably not one that we would have gotten to this quickly if it wasn't for a request on Patreon. Uh, this goes to our patron, Brock Miller, who has been nice enough to uh, donate to our Horizon Like Profile. Brock has been a part of this, and Brock was uh, nice enough to, to give us this episode. We've also recently recorded his Horizon Profile episode because everybody that joins the Horizon Leg gets their own profile. So what we did was we had him talk about why he picked this show and what this show means to him. So why don't we hear from him a little bit and you get to to see why we're covering this this festival show here. So here's here's from Brock from our profile. Uh, well, it's probably my my favorite show, and that's you know as as you guys will review it probably you know doesn't stand against all the the famous and fan favorites. And I think the biggest reason it's it's really when I was able to get reengaged with the band and with going to shows. And uh, I've been a music fanatic my whole life, but um, I was I was living in Alaska for three years before that show, and so there's really minimal stuff going on up there. And then the basically 10 years before that, I was in in a medical sort of military training pipeline that that I would go to shows here and there, but I couldn't ever break away and really do travel, you know, for shows and that sort of thing. And so it was just it was just very hard. And then ever since I moved down here to South Texas, um, it's been, you know, OK, now I can really try and follow this band and go to a lot more shows. And so it kind of reunited me with with the band and with going to shows and you know the the other thing is that it, it was really cool my wife actually surprised me with tickets to that acl um and i i kind of heard you guys before i got on here talking about this this year's uh set list yeah um but that year was the first night was outcast was the headliner second night was eminem and third night was pearl jam and as you know i as i mentioned i i was a big hip-hop guy so i I still listen to quite a bit of that, you know, as, as I became a rock fanatic as well. And so it was just such a cool, um, she surprised me one day for father's day. She's like, Oh, after we move, you know, here from Alaska to San Antonio, we're going to this festival they have in Austin, which we knew nothing about. Um, and Pearl Jam happened to be headlining Sunday night. Um, and I got us tickets, you know? And so it was kind of, it, and, and she, she and I went together, you know, so that was the other thing is, you know, I've, I've gone to a lot of shows with my brother and love those. Um, but this was really cool to kind of be re-engaging in the lower 48 and re-engaging with the band and my wife and I were there together and, and they came out and just blistered, um, you know, the first half of the main set, which I was a little nervous about because she's, she's more into the big, you know, hits and the, 
the soaring songs and they, they just kind of came out so hard. Um, so that's, that's part of what I loved about that show. So thanks go out to Brock for, uh, for, for picking this one. And then hopefully we do it justice. I know it is a festival show. And we did say a couple times when, when we were on the line with him that, uh, there, there could be some moments that were just like, okay, like it, it's very festival ish. And, you know, there's not really much else to it, but I, there, there's one other thing that I want to mention because it's semi-relevant to some sort of Pearl Jam conversation here is that the this weekend, so ACL actually happened this past weekend, the, the last couple weekends it was happening. Machine Gun Kelly. Do you, do you know that name? Do you, do you know who Machine Gun Kelly is? I, I know the name, but that's all. I could not I could not tell you one fact about this person. I know about three facts, and that's not including the thing that I'm about to mention. But he was a rapper, and then on his last album, he decided to do more pop-punky stuff, which is not... Pop-punk is not in right now. That's not popular. But it, like I remember something happened where it was like a TV show I was watching or baseball used one of his songs. I'm like, oh, they're using a Blink-182 song here. It happened to be Machine Gun Kelly. I was like, no, that that doesn't make any sense. So he at this at, at the festival ended up climbing the scaffolding and kind of doing some scaffold tricks. And when you think of that, you kind of think of hmm. uh, a young Eddie Vedder doing that at uh, Warren Magnuson Park for dropping the park. I thought I would just bring it up because. I don't think that he'll ever achieve anything close to what Eddie achieved. He probably did it for other reasons than Ed did it. I, I look, I so, don't yeah, think, um, sorry, machine gun. If you're listening, you're welcome to come on the show and we can talk about if your influences. All right. Here's who we've pissed off today. Uh, Texas, Texas, Texans, Skrillex, Skrillex fans. Skrillex fans. Yeah. And machine gun Kelly as a human being, not as fan base, but as a human being, I thought I would mention that because it, recently happened it's a current event and somebody tweeted out i think it was like a consequence of sound uh or some music outlet that tweeted out and said machine gun kelly doing his best eddie vetter impersonation i'm like oh uh okay if that's if that's all you can come up with then then fine I think we should mention too, if you've been going to uh, liveonfourlegs.com every day, which you should, uh, you will see that the we've been doing the Concertpedia reviews for, for this whole little run of shows from 2014. So you can go and get a little preview of this if you want to pull that up right now and check out some of the other shows from this tour. Uh, we've been dropping those on the, I guess, the seventh anniversary of each of the shows. So be on the lookout for that. And thanks to to Patrick Bogle, who, uh, who wrote this one. Okay. We're here at ACL 2014, and that's where we're going to stay for the next hour or so. So strap in. It's a festival show. Uh, there's going to be a lot of stuff that's pretty predictable. There's going to be a lot of stuff that is pretty by the book, pretty standard. I don't want to ruin the show, but uh, that and we'll listen to some of it and we'll we'll dissect a little bit. But there there's some good stuff, and then there's some stuff that are just like, hey, very by the book Pearl Jam. And maybe John has a different opinion, and uh, maybe I'll come up with a different opinion after we're done with this here. And that's not to say it's a bad thing at all.
open up the show with Long Road. Last week, we opened up the show with Long Road as well. And since we're here, and since it's relevant, and since I, I would assume that people from last week are tuning in again this week, we can do a little bit of a side-by-side comparison between the two tracks. And we talked about how really that that version of Long Road last week, how much it drove, how, how much it progressed and built to the end, and, and just big pieces felt really big. And we also mentioned how sometimes this song elicits a different emotional reaction, whether it's more of a somber response, more of a passionate response, and less of kind of a drive to get you started the show. This was a little bit of a step down from where, and I don't use that in a bad sense, I I use that in a sense of it was paced out a little bit more, it was a little bit more deliberate, it didn't have that driving sound to it, it didn't take you on that soaring trip as much as last week's version did. That doesn't. That that's not to say that it was a bad version. I'm just trying to compare the two. It had more of a reflective. I think when you think of the identity of this song, I think that this version was more closely fit the identity than what we had last week. However, it is interesting to put two of them side by side together. Uh, disagree a little bit. Um, okay. I think that Long Road is one that that almost gets better with age because all, all these things keep piling onto the song, right? It's like the versions from 95 and 96, like, oh, with Jack, like, so good. And then it just keeps building. And this song just keeps getting better and better. And I, the pacing, I think, is it suits this version of it. I think I, I'm, I'm listening to this. I'm just, good God, this song is so fucking good. And, like, it almost doesn't matter. It's about the repetition and the vibe of it and like Ed just playing that chord and the ending is just, uh, again, like just very similar to last week. I thought it was very similar to last week's as far as just like uh, an atmosphere and a vibe that created. But I will give you that it is a little weird to get Long Road and then to kick into what we're going to get next because this is a festival. This Long Road you expect it at like somewhere like an MSG or like a Key Arena or like a like a Wrigley Field even like this is one of those like songs that just sets a mood and then you're you're getting into the rest of this festival set and you're, you're looking at the whole thing on paper and you're like this is a little out of place but I agree we you know we talked to Brock about it does he put this in and as one of his favorite performances and I agree like this this is fantastic why don't we hear from Brock? Uh, because Brock actually, he talked a little bit about Long Road and then he talked and we'll kind of segue into what this next five uh, song run is right here and him specifically talking about Go and Why Go. So we'll kind of lump those all together here. So here's what Brock had to say kind of about this early part of the set. And I think it was a very fitting song for my experience because it kind of felt like a long road having come from overseas and and coming back to a place where I could really engage more in live music um, here in South Texas. So just him coming out with his typical good evening and and then starting that was, was, you know, really wonderful. Long road into go. And then I I think I looked up go, why go has been done eight times, but man, I, I think it is just an absolute perfect sort of transition from from one great fast song from from one album to another one from the the prior album so i I love that combo 
And if you want to open a festival with a slow burn, I think that like elderly woman is never a bad choice for that because it's, it's one you can sing along to and, and it kind of gets you the crowd engaged and, and the whole crowd aspect, it's going to be weird in this because they're, they're kind of far away from the crowd. There's yeah, a good, good distance between the stage and where that barrier starts. So I, I, I you know, I, I don't know if that, is a little disjoining for even, for the even, show or even pendulum like this is prime pendulum era it is and and you you're not getting in here which is kind of it's, it's kind of it may maybe would have made more sense for the set i don't know yeah long road always seems to need to be played for a purpose instead of just being played to be put on a set and i i don't i don't know if this had the direction where's the pull from this where what what story can we pull out of this to say like yeah. it wasn't like a long road to get back to texas or anything like that i, I mean i guess it'd been some time since they played texas no actually no they played dallas in 2013 that that that, yeah. that that's incorrect but I, I like i don't know that that's a question that i it kind of left me in a little bit of a state of confusion when thinking about this set list it, it wasn't the best fit not a bad fit, wasn't the best fit. Now, let's dig into those five songs that really get on a, a really fast stretch here. Go, why go, do the evolution, mind your manners, and save you all in a row. That is good shit live. Great shit live. That's going to get you moving. Yeah. I didn't have too much to say about it, though. We've... And and look, this could be one of these weird episodes of this show where we're just like, yeah, there's not a lot that we haven't talked about in a long time that we don't have much of a take on. But it was a pretty standard affair on Why Go and Go. The Why Go solo was very good, but I think you usually get something like that. It wasn't taking these versions, none of these versions, they were all at least close to what you would say is average or just just a little bit above better than average but it wasn't like i don't take any of these songs as being above where you would place any regular version did did any of these stick out to you more than their their usual standard affair a little bit i think Go is very good, and Long Road into Go is just sends you right back to 1995, first of all. Yeah. And the the Go into Why Go transition, which which Brock referred to as well, is just seamless and perfect. I, I thought that was fantastic. The crowd gets into it a little bit, uh, but yeah, it's do the evolution and save you. I thought just watching Stone, just watching him totally get into it, and just kill it. Like he's over there bouncing and head bobbing and ripping those guitar solos and do the evolution and save you. I thought those were fantastic. Even even mind your manners. I thought we we sometimes gloss over it because it's like we we usually get it like right next to lightning bolt, and it's kind of like oh you get lightning bolt and mind your manners here. But I thought it really benefited by by being in the middle of this run, and it really like it it kind of fit more than it normally does. I think it just it was a burner. Like yeah, this is this little five song stretch. Like I love this version of Long Road, but I, I almost wish they would have just come out and opened with Go and just burned it like this right from the beginning. Yeah, I, I see where you're coming from there, and I and I like your assessment of Mind Your Manners because it is it is a little bit tough to sometimes separate that from 
you kind of consider some of these songs, especially the first three, and, and I, I consider personally Save You as being part of that crowd, like the varsity songs, the songs that are, you know, being called up to, to the big game on a fair occasion more often than not. And Minor Manners, when it was getting played in that era, kind of felt like the outlier and all that. Like, okay, they just have to play it because they're playing Lightning Bolt stuff. And I, I, I agree with you. I thought it fit. I thought everything worked. And I think that maybe live it, it hits a little bit different. Maybe it feels a little bit different when you hear it live than hearing it on the bootleg and, and kind of knowing where they go with some of these songs sometimes. While not at all bad, there wasn't anything that perked my ear to be like, whoa, okay, this is a story to kind of roll off of here. Th- this was very standard festival Pearl Jam affair. Okay. I think the highlight from all this to me was at least uh, the Why Go solo. I thought the Why Go solo was out of this world great. Yeah. Uh, that was the one. And Save You was, was excellent in this too. And I know we didn't really get a lot of time to talk about Save You last week, but uh, Sa- Save You was very, very good from the show. So that's a pretty good stretch. I'm not trying to downplay that stretch at all. I think from a standpoint of listening to a lot of bootlegs in short amount of time and, and you know listening to even just one a week is a lot sometimes you get this jaded factor and you kind of you're like okay well give me something that i haven't heard before and maybe from here on out in this podcast there, that's not going to happen a lot it could it could just be me wanting more don't know but um well, for me i think it's i'm, I'm going to start getting nostalgic for these little punk rock mini sets because it looks like they are gone it is possible yeah, it is possible. You, you just never know. I, I've had so many conversations with people where I'm sort of on the fence of like, okay, they'll play like 26 at max, 27, and people are like, no, when they go back to arenas, they're playing three hours, 33 songs again. And I, I don't think that's going to happen. I know you don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, so, I don't see it happening. But we'll see. I I think every now and again, maybe you'll get something like this busted out, but you're mostly right that it's it's not something you'll yeah, see. Yeah, regular again. listeners of the show can look forward to me just waxing nostalgic about these little punk rock sets from here on out. Well, just that, dreaming of back in back in the day. Look, that that might be something three or four years from now. Where if we did a show like this, that's a festival show from 2014, 2013, whatever, whatever year, that might be a huge talking point, and that yeah. might feel different to us. So, yeah, no, yeah, no songs from Gigaton fit in this this section really. No, no. And I was going to say, like, maybe Super Blood Wolf Moon, but really. That would be, yeah, but not really. No. All right. So, Ed, uh, after this this nice little run here, Ed, uh, thanks, everybody, for inviting us to the illustrious event. And that's him actually fudging up the words and not being me being a moron there. Nope, he screws up the word illustrious and says, hey, have I been drinking too much? No, of course I haven't. And uh, said he's actually got an expensive bottle of wine for this occasion. It's an important night. So shout out to goes out to the replacements and mentions everybody in the replacements, uh, including the replacement replacements and uh, compliments sharing the stage with them. And that's always that's always a good moment that and it felt like at see here now Ed always went back to, hey, Patty Smith is here. That might have been like the first thing he said when yeah. he first addressed yeah. the crowd it was like we played with Patty Smith tonight and you always get the sense of how appreciative he is of going on 
after they did. And like he almost in his mind thinks that they should probably be the main attraction instead of them. So yeah. Uh Corduroy is here and you're gonna get Corduroy Lightning Bolt, not really back to back, but uh close enough. The biggest take I had about Corduroy is that when I think of the Lightning Bolt era Corduroy stuff, I, you kind of have that expectation that they're going to go in that direction of allowing that extension to to kind of run for a couple of minutes and then going into the everything has changed. Like, you kind of expect for that to happen. Refreshing that it didn't. I will say that because yeah. I don't hate on the other version at all, but I, I like when things are pretty pure to their original form. And I, I know it might not seem it from, from what we just talked about, but I thought this version of Corduroy being as close to the original recipe really worked for the song. Yeah, there's the one part of this right right before that, that everything has changed, everything has changed. Right before that section, there's 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 a surge, and I, we haven't talked about that in a few weeks. But watching this, there's a moment right before that where they everything kicks in, and it's like, hey, oh, it's really good. That was my favorite part of this little section by far. Most nights that we're gonna do this, we're gonna talk about corduroy being pretty good, and and again, it hits pretty good exactly. Song. Like you, you might not have heard it, but it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's alright. It, Check it, it out if you haven't. Gee, it might be one of the reasons why we we talk right now uh i don't know but yeah like corduroy run right up there but it's, it's fitting within the same category of it's it's hitting exactly where the song should be hitting but not not quite above that average mark same with lightning bolt i think that this was the exact version of lightning bolt that you expect the band to come out with you know there was a little bit of a surge in lightning bolt that sounded pretty good too but i think we've heard versions of lightning bolt that sounded like this before nothing bad about it nothing wrong with it at all it's meeting its expectations it's meeting the bar yeah i can see that and it's it's contractually obligated Bolt yeah. At this point. yeah of course and he's gonna he's gonna mention beforehand that he sees a guy and he says hey you got a pretty big pole almost as if you're compensating for something and says be careful there might be a lightning storm coming like at wrigley field be careful with that big old pole you got there i don't know if he was just referring to like lightning storm as we're about to play lightning bolt or if actual thunder and lightning was in i think it was actual actual thunder and lightning i believe okay because it didn't look like that there was any hint of of anything watching the show it doesn't even look like there's a hint of rain so Mm. like it probably held off which which is good and after lightning bolt mentions that this is a sunday but it kind of feels like a saturday and tomorrow is the last day to register to vote for the November election. This is haunting to listen to. And I like almost threw up in my mouth hearing it. Speaking about voting and how important it is to vote because how things could change if you don't. And the specific thing that he brought up was women's right to choose and think about the state that he's in, the state of Texas. What are we going through right now? Yep. Yep. I mean, dead on. Dead on. Uh, yeah, it's almost like he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> it's almost like if if you don't yeah, it's almost like people learn from history, you yeah. fucking yeah. It, it is a heavily, heavily Republican state. 
I know that trends have trended it uh, blue in, in in certain spots, and and it, it had made a little bit of a run uh, for 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 Biden and a little bit of run for Beto uh, in his election, but that state hey, Austin's is Austin's the oasis there. Though the, the, these are the you're people. right. You're absolutely right. That is a a you know a, a liberal town, a free thinking town. So it's it fits right there. But most of state of Texas is not in line with, and I, I don't want to say with the rest of the country, but it, it essentially with progressive views. And uh, it's shitty that we're sitting here and you know, basically talking that a state is essentially doing their own version of overturning Roe v. Wade. Like what, what the fuck have we turned into? So that's, that's all I'll say. Faithful love boat captain. Look, we have, we have a bit to, to talk about with love boat captain, but faithful, Ooh. faithful, faithful works here. And I think that that kind of fit after the little speech, but I, I didn't, I didn't feel like it was this again, like fitting within where average versions of faithful kind of fit in. It, it, it's strange because this whole four song section, none of these are hits. They're all off albums that, uh, you know, maybe you can argue yield is part of the, the higher upper echelon albums of theirs. I, I argue it, but you know, maybe they're the, 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 the casual fan in the throwing, crowd. You were just throwing darts today, man. He's like, these albums suck, but these are the, some of the okay songs. Did, like, did you, I say that? You, Whoa, yeah, you, you are putting words you, in my mouth. Like, I did not say that. Today. No, 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 no. I'm talking about casual fans that are there for the M&Ms oh, and for oh. the Skrillex. And I'm talking okay, about those okay. people that might not be into riot act that might not be into the the deeper cuts off lightning bolt my father's son is an interesting choice for this show it is i don't know if a lot of people are going to be down with that uh whether and maybe some of the pearl jam people maybe it just rubs off on people because it's not one that the pearl jam group has really attached themselves to so you know, uh, but I think the highlight here at least is Love Boat Captain. And the, during this era, uh, the Cincinnati show was the first time that they brought it out there. It's a very jammy version. The intro gets really groovy kind of into it. And then you, you don't really know what they're doing. And you can kind of gather that it, it's got this sound to it and it's alluding to somewhere. But it takes you for a ride. And the Cincinnati version to me is perfect in my eyes. This version does its job. It doesn't have any uh, Rolling Stones tags or anything at the end, but it, it's it's working in that same stratosphere. And and uh, look, you gotta love what they were doing with it. Obviously, they felt they felt it in such a way a couple days before at Cincinnati that they had to bring it to a festival set here. So they were they were in, into it. That's for sure.
These are my favorite versions of this. They just come on. They just start jamming on the, the chords. It's oh, it's just so good. There's that. It's that moment where where the jam track on the song starts. Is that moment of like because this is new to these people. It's like oh yeah, that's what that is. Right. And maybe maybe some people that are savvy to the boards and things like yes. that have heard that there was an intro on on uh, the Cincinnati version. Maybe they yeah. it go a little further. Maybe they YouTube it and maybe it was up on YouTube at the time. But yeah. like you're right. You this went, is you went fairly to new. Shows but the ending too like when boom comes in at the end and that's one thing i don't remember from cincinnati because you, know, you, you mentioned the rolling stones type they do but boom on this i thought really added a lot to the end and really got a chance i really heard him prominent and i like adding some really nice color and some really extra extra textures to this it, this is just, uh, this is one of my highlights from the show fantastic like once they started doing this why did they ever stop doing this how did this not become an every night every other night type of thing it's so good I agree with that. However, I kind of like the suspense when when it gets brought up, and and yeah, if it gets played one night, which honestly, if it gets played twice a tour, that's pretty miraculous at this point. But imagine, you know, say argument's sake, in 2018 it got played twice. I think it did, and I think one version was this version, and one version wasn't. So yeah. they're kind of keeping, you know, they're keeping it open. They're keeping you saying like, hey, will they do it? Will they not? Like, you know, I don't know why you would chant it with that song. Just do it and turn it into a thing that people can expect. But they decided not to. So my father's son got some back to back. We talked a little bit about got some last week. I don't really have much more to expand on that. My father's son is not one that we talk about too often. I like it on the album live not not the best live off lightning bolt not not one that really connects as well yeah it's it's awkward yeah i mean it's just it's it's a weird song it's a jeff song not to say that jeff songs are bad he wrote fucking quick escape to you know quick quick escape in, in itself is is probably one of the best uh gigs on live songs but you can kind of feel the crowd a little bit disengaging from this and I don't know because I wasn't there, but also the, the, the barrier, like you said, the, the kind of in between them, like it, it must be tough to get such a deeper song and, and to try, try to elicit a reaction from them. Because it, it, although Love Boat Captain is great and can kind of build some momentum for you, I would think that Love Boat Captain, you'd want to follow with a hit to kind of continue that positivity and to continue that hot streak a little bit yeah and they don't do a, that would have been a great spot for an even flow or something which we absolutely get later but yeah i mean i think even with my father's son i think there's a moment where it might have been ed or matt somebody's off and so, somebody misses a, it, a usually reverse or something like there's it's it's not like there, it was kind of an awkwardly played version but only the 10th time so it is what it is but again boom like doing some really nice stuff at the end i thought that was that was the best part but forgot some i i was i was listening to this and i was came to sort of uh not an epiphany but sort of a realization that's like they play got some two different ways and if you get if you got 
uh, this is going to sound so weird because of the title, but if you got, got some early on, if you get it in the style where they play it more like herky-jerky style, almost like a Devo song where it kind of careens back and forth the side and it's got the stops and starts and it's more a little, it's a little weirder, then it's good. But when they play it just kind of straight, I think it can be a little boring. Yeah, the guitars get really repetitive after a while and that's one of the things I think when all those times I saw them in 2013 where they played this in the encore which to me is just like it's a waste of an encore spot and that's a that's a hot take of some sort but so like, like I went back and watched that that version from or listened to the version from from the Tonight Show on when Conan was there the first one that was the the debut and it's like it's great like the, the guitars are a little bit weird this is doing some interesting stuff and like it's got that kind of like stop start like motion to it that the song needs oh, and that yeah and I, I think like they they kind of lost that at some point maybe from playing it too much or just kind of getting further out from the from the the, the germ of the song but yeah it's it just doesn't have the same bite that it that it had it, like and you, you know i'm sure we'll come across some that have it and sometimes it's good and you know they can always go back to that if, if they if they catch a good night but yeah it's just this one just it felt like they they were just kind of playing it straight and it wasn't as good yeah i think that does happen to some of the especially the later album stuff like a life wasted is a perfect example of that where even earlier versions of life wasted sounded like the guitars were really heavy in that and like yeah. you had sort of a kind of a a big snare vibe to it with Matt and now it's just kind of like all right straight up arena rock and i don't know if that is them losing that sort of sense of the original product of the song or if that's just getting in a rhythm and it might just be yeah. getting in a rhythm and figuring out what works to what they could play in that moment, what's easy for them. And and think about a lot of these set maybe this set list not a good example of that, but a lot of these set lists that you, you're just compacting 33, 35 songs in, sometimes you just need very simplistic stuff just and to get through. And the it's it's not as exciting because like the further you get out like think about the gigaton songs like it's so exciting for them to play those songs because they're finally getting to do it and they're going to be great and they're amped up to play it, and they're fucking stoked like yeah let's hit this thing like we, we want to blow these songs away and like when when the next tour comes around it'll be a little bit less of that and when they have right. new songs if there's if there's if we're lucky enough to get another album at some point when those songs get played live, then the Gigaton songs be like, oh, these are a little old hat now. They like, And here they have be. Lightning Bolt songs. So, yeah, it's the further out you get, the less kind of – and it's natural. It's, not, it's nothing wrong with it. It happens to every single band. Like, But the the more you get away, like you're going to lose interest a little bit, and you're not going to have that original like, go get them energy that the, the song had the first time. Yeah, I, my, Mind Your Manners, by the way, we'll we'll cap that conversation off. Mind Your Manners has a lot of that, by the way, yeah. where Mind Your yeah. Manners had really like hot sounding guitar and just fast approach to it. And then later on, it just kind of loses that. It, it sort of finds its comfort zone. If, if, if you want to call it anything, you'd call it a comfort zone. So, yeah. All right. Even flow spot right here. And I thought that it, it was kind of like gradually finding 
its way through and it didn't start out like very electric and overly theatrical i think it got there as the song continued on like i think mike built to that moment but i don't think he started that way i don't know if you you got that yeah it's kind of a dissonant solo at first he's doing some like some kind it's of like weird a e melody like thing bean or bean or yeah. it kind of reminded me of like that part and go where it kind of transitions out of the chorus i think you're burying the lead here because before that he talks about playing austin back in 1991 but the set list was unavailable i think pearl jam's using live footsteps at this point they they went on to look for the set list and couldn't find it well, I actually know I, I, I'm not bearing a lead because I actually don't have that information because I didn't either didn't catch it on YouTube or didn't go back because this yeah. YouTube clip is not it's not fan friendly. It yeah, cuts yeah. out a lot. It, there's a lot of stop and go. It's, it's, it's put together from a lot of different individual song. Clips. I think so, too. Yeah, yeah, it's the same angle the whole entire time, which is nice, but it doesn't do the sh- the full show justice. So I yeah. mi- I missed that part, which is very interesting. Um, yeah, he I- talks about the first time they played Austin and played at a place called The Back Room, and he says, but the set list is unavailable. And I was like, oh, Pearl Jam looked at live <laughs> footsteps to see if they could find it. Well, look, if, if Pearl Jam doesn't have it, nobody else is going to have it either. However, right. there are set lists that are on live footsteps that Pearl Jam refuse to acknowledge that they do have. And I know they do have them because, well, somebody sent it to them. So uh, after even flow. Ed shouts out the chief of police in Austin who says he's a fan, but they never met each other before. Uh, however, if you if you name drop Ed, maybe you'll get two phone calls instead of one. And they're just kind of talking about what a good vibe it had been the last couple of days. At least the the security people and the uh, you know the the people in charge, the adults, so to speak. And you know everybody seemed to walk around and they could send security home because uh, everyone was being really good to one another. So that kind of it kind of got you off on a like oh like that that that's great to know that you know it was it was such a good experience because you just never know with these festivals where one bad egg could just ruin and an entire evening and we've seen it happen before so even even on the the sense of like them stopping songs and them seeing you know people that maybe not fights but like hydration issues and and just all those type of things it seemed like this was pretty relaxed from that standpoint so that always a positive vibe this is actually the point in the show where i thought you're finally getting some moments it finally feels like this is branched out to feel like more of a pearl jam show than a festival set list i i really like this version of sirens and it's not that we've heard something different from sirens before this is pretty and I wouldn't even say standard because I thought the version sounded really good and I thought that the ending itself sounded really good as well but the crowd is taking it upon themselves to do that Ah, oh, they're taking it upon themselves to start that and then the band kind of backs them up and gets into that and I thought that that was really good and that kind of surprised me from this crowd that they were able to really bring that up and, and even, even with Love Boat Catherine and even with what kind of moment that was it felt like sirens was the first one that felt big that felt important from this
good crowd uh, calm response, like you mentioned. That was definitely the highlight. But I think, to you know, getting even flow, because you'd only gotten really one song off of 10 early on, Why Go? And coming and no after that, hits. yeah, that stretch of songs from, you know, from Faithful to, to Got Some, like we talked about. And yeah, not a lot of big sing-alongs, you know, no small town, you know, nothing like that. So yeah, after Even Flow, I think it the crowd really got elevated and really got into it a lot more. They just ride that the rest of the main set here. Here's something we haven't seen a lot of lately. Danny Clinch is invited on stage to do Red Mosquito. Hmm. The seventh member. He's he's official now, right? <laughs> Pretty much. We, oh, the yeah, eighth well, member. Eighth member, yeah, because we got Boom Josh. Playing Hopper, so, yeah, I think you word. just fired Boom. Oh, uh, no, I would never. I would never. You, you were talking shit about uh, putting words in my mouth. I, I'm, I could put oh, words in your on. mouth. It sounded like you were just um, firing Boom right there. No, I forgot about Josh. That's what that was. Um, it's, yeah, how many? He's pretty forgettable. Danny, Danny Clinch to coming on like and it like wasn't this like 2009 this was the one with Ben yeah, Harper right, right. The, just one of the one of the most amazing versions of Red Mosquito maybe the best version ever that was also um, another Austin City Limits yeah show. exactly exactly and I know uh, that he did it a lot with them I think he, they were on tour together in Australia and they did it a lot but that's the one that usually gets brought up and remembered from oh, all these versions it's amazing and uh yeah, Danny does does a great job, and it's nice to see him in the band now. Yeah, I I, I love this version of Red Mosquito. I thought that the the guitars just exploded from the gate, and uh, Danny, I, look, I got to go back and listen to the at least the See Here Now and the Ohana main set Ohana version. I don't know how crazy he got in the versions recently. I I, I want to say that he he found that level, but you know, hmm. I don't. I don't know if he did, so gotta gotta check yeah. that out. Buzzsaw kind of song. It, it, it like it was a perfect follow-up to Sirens. You got something kind of emotional, and it expands on that momentum. Great, great stuff here. And Daughter and Rear Mirror are gonna end your set. Uh, Ed doing something in Daughter that I've never heard him do before. Doing that kind of sarcastic sing speak that usually, you know, for the best example of that would be the well, of course there is. He does that with the tries to make her proud. Like I'd never heard him do that before. I thought that that was a little, uh, I don't know if that was just off the cuff or, or what yeah. that was, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, it didn't take me out of the song or anything like that. Just interesting on one of the hits that he decides to go in that direction, but a nod to the replacements here. We get a little bit of an Alex Chilton tag. Yeah, one of, the, one of the best replacement songs. It's it's probably the one that makes everybody think of the replacements. That's for sure. I mean, "Kiss Me on the Bus" is pretty popular, but "Bastards of Young." Yep. Uh, Left of the dial. I mean, can't hardly wait. We can go on and on and on. Atomic Dog is also tagged here, which is is reserved for blood usually. And then there's something interesting that happens. We get a little bit of an explanation as to what the song is kind of about without going into full detail, really. So this song's really not a girl. It's really not about a girl or a daughter. It's really about the parents. Kelly, can I see the lights a little bit? Okay, 
Okay, so first of all, hands down. So, who all, and they're probably not here and no one's gonna see this or whatever, but who all, who all just had a really, and I, and I hope there's not many of you, who all had a really fucking shitty father? That's pretty good. Um, shitty mom, there's less shitty mom, I bet. You know, I'll just tell you the good thing, the good thing about having a shitty fucking father is that you'll probably be a great one because you'll know exactly, exactly what not to do. Break the chain. I thought that that was a really cool moment right there and uh, yeah. it felt really authentic from him. Yep, and you you get that like in the in the 2010s we've gotten a lot of that where he kind of lets his guard down because before it was like you people would ask what the song's about oh it's a, um, we're not going to talk about that it's it's your right. interpretation of it that's the important thing but you know in the last 10 or 15 years we've gotten these little moments where he'll kind of let his guard down and and talk about some of the stuff and yeah it's always mm-hmm. really interesting it, it does happen and uh, it's always a good little taste into to what's going on in, in their minds and and uh all, just authentic real from the heart and uh now they're going to finish the set with a pretty charged up rear view mirror after all that, like that was a great lead into it. And uh, just tight, just tight version. The guitars taking a more atmospherical approach, going all different directions while Jeff is kind of uh, leading the way and leading the charge with that heavy, heavy bass sound. Ed is just fucking around with his guitar, junk, chucking it up in the air a little bit. And, uh, you know, we get that crowd clapping intro before really building it to the end. And that's how you know, like, okay, the crowd is into it for, for this version. So makes it more epic when Jeff just gets into that rolling bass line and then they yeah. burst for the end. Yeah, um, it, it drops out to just the bass drum. Like all the guitars yeah. drop out. You just get that. Dum, 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 dum. And, and yeah, and just makes that in that, that impact so much better when Jeff comes back in. Yeah. It's, I mean, rearview mirror, what can you say? That's all you need to say. It was cool that there was a part where Ed was really f- either feeling it or either he had like a lapse of lyrics for a second but there was a whole line in there where he just stopped singing love just hearing the instrumental of that because how often do you get where and and it's not like there anybody fucked up or anything like that it was just a second where he just decided okay i'm not going to sing in this part because and it, it seemed like he was really in, into what he was doing he it just sometimes you just don't get like the raw instrumental versions of these songs and to get a little piece like that and to still feel and even even more so powerful sometimes just just getting to really focus your ear in on the guitars and on the drum and on the bass sound like that that was cool and it was very brief but it was a cool little glimpse into what this song is without the vocals which we don't yeah get it's like it's like he's like i'm just gonna you know this this is a, this is powerful i'm just gonna let this music speak for itself for me yeah mm-hmm. 
It reminds me of that uh, that red mosquito from Berlin '96 that we talked about. Oh yeah, where they just kind of stop, let it, you know, they, they you know, yeah, everybody's just huddling let, around let the, Jack, just let the moment hang, and like, yeah, he doesn't need to sing because the music's saying everything he needs to say. Absolutely. We're at the encore here. We're going to pause for station identification. Talk a little bit about Patreon. As we mentioned in the beginning of the episode, uh, this has been a request for Brock Biller. His Horizon-like profile will be out this week. If that is something that you're interested in, after, of course, this episode is is, is going to be held on such a high plateau because we, we've been so kind to all of the Texans and Skrillex fans out there that you guys are going to want to now join Patreon after all this. No, I, I, I kid. Uh, for anybody that does join Patreon and joins the Horizon Leg, you will get an opportunity to do that profile later this week. We will have Brock's episode up uh, that talks a little bit about this and talks about kind of uh, he went to Ohana Encore. We'll talk about Ohana Encore and a little bit of his upbringing and how he got into the band with his brother as well, which is very good. And uh, I think it's about time. Is it time? It's time. It's time that another Patreon-exclusive episode come out, because it's been a long time since we've done anything, and, and life just, just gets in the way sometimes, and uh, and you, you just don't have time for it. But we made time this week. John, what is our exclusive episode for Patreon this week? What do we talk about? We went back to the very last show of 1998, when Pearl Jam opened up for Cheap Trick at the Crocodile Cafe in Seattle. The ten song set, it is different. It's it doesn't have any hits per se. If you want to call corduroy and evolution hits, then then that's uh that's your prerogative. But uh it's it's pretty raw, it's pretty exciting. Only three hundred and fifty people in that crowd, a lot of really good stuff. That'll be out very soon. That's gonna come out this week. So if that's stuff you're interested in, patreon.com slash live on four legs. And look. Join up on the dollar tier because you never know, like, if you just join up and, and you enjoy it and you, you enjoy what we're doing and you want more of it and you want requests, then we've had people that have joined the $5 tier, the Giga Leg tier, and then we've had people just recently, we've had somebody that has joined the Horizon Leg tier. I'm going to shout her out right now. Amy Wynn is a brand new Horizon Leg member. Thank you, Amy, so much for, for joining and, and jumping jumping tier there because, I mean, it just helps us out with, with what we're doing and the projects that we have going on. But also, Amy had, had been in constant contact. We, we got to, at least I got to meet with her at, uh, at Shorestock when we were doing the Shorestock event over, over in Jersey, and she got to go to some of the uh, the shows the past couple weeks, and and she's been, uh, I, I believe through her, we were able to hook somebody up with tickets to the the nice. Ohana, uh, the first Ohana show. So yeah, so very cool stuff, and we thank her, and uh, can't wait to see what her request is going to be going forward. But also, we do have another new patron this week, Joseph Klobenschlag. And if I if I got that wrong, then uh, then by all means, please chew me out but joseph kolbenschlag has uh joined the gigaleg tier and for the gigaleg tier you actually do get an episode request uh the horizon leg profiles or for the that that tier but you do get a request for the gigaleg tier so that will be something that's part of joseph's little uh package there that's so great. we, th Thanks, we thank him yeah. and remember for everybody that joins in the month of October, you will be sent a sticker and pin package. So, Joseph, get in touch with us. Give us your mailing address, and we will send you 
some a little goodie packet. Nice. That's it. Any, anything else we need to? Uh, you you mentioned the Concertpedia stuff earlier. Every day that there is a an anniversary of a 2014 show, there will be a review that goes up. That's that's all. And and there are some big ones that are coming up this week. Yep. So very, very cool. Yep. Keep keep locked yeah, in on live on four legs. Live, live on four legs Like I said, check it every day. Absolutely. So all right, back to the rock. And we're on for one encore here. We got eight songs left. It's it's a shorty, but it's a festival. You know, these are two hours. Not not much you can really do about that, but that's all right. Ed jokes that he he forgot his wine and kind of picks up the bottle, says, thank you. Good night. And uh, jokes and and gets the crowd to kind of jeer him a little bit, which is which is funny. But that is actually not on the YouTube clip. So I had to go back and dig that out. Mentions, I guess, one of the sound guys, Greg, had moved to Austin and said, look, he's kind enough to offer you guys to go to his place. It's about 15 minutes away and uh, we have a keg, but we just need some solo cups. So go to 7-Eleven and bring us some solo cups, get some red solo cups. Uh, so it says, look, he has got a, a, a newborn and a two-year-old. So when you, when you come by, just make sure you're quiet, just make sure you're quiet, but people will clean up after you. Once everybody gets there in the backyard, he can have his very own small town. One, two, three, four, two, three. I swear I recognized your face. That was a quick catch. Cause on the first go around, I did not catch that. I swear I recognize your face. Instead of I seem to recognize, yeah. it's I swear I recognize. So, and he catches, he kind of laughs at himself, like, yeah. "Whoops!" The elderly woman sounds good. It sounds pretty full. They're uh, sitting down. There, this is this is seated. This is a seated version, yeah. And, yeah. and it's weird because the full band is coming out, and then they're gonna leave yeah. for yeah. a match. And I never like when they do that. If, if you're gonna do that, do the solo song first. I don't like seeing the band dispersed like that that's just a me thing though it's it's weird and you have to wonder like what they're thinking like obviously he wants to come back he has the story and he wants to do small town I it, think maybe that's, that's it. why yeah but like yeah it's just weird to make them come out for one song and then okay then you're gonna leave and then you're gonna come back like just have them play on imagine like why not yeah it doesn't right. i don't know right and they have done full band imagine before sure, sure. Uh, and it probably look this is the second ever time that they've covered it so i'm sure it's one of those things where ed probably tells the band after he puts it on the set list like hey uh i'm doing this tonight and the band's like okay cool and i i I think you know to to get real here john you probably say that when i say hey i'm doing something for 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 this podcast you're like okay (laughs) and you don't really have a response to it but i'm doing it anyway that's that's what ed does in the same situation he's like i'm playing imagine if you guys don't know it then you're not playing it so that's essentially what happens but he kind of mentions like that he's going to borrow it and but i I think the guy who wrote it wrote it for everyone and being a festival crowd this is like we've talked about how imagine is just kind of one of those songs it's just kind of cheap to cover it you know there's so many better they've done give me some truth they've done deeper beatles songs you've got to hide your love away it's not like the most famous beatles song but it's 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 one that people know and can sing along to but like imagine feels a little pandering in a way where it's like okay everybody knows the song however for this crowd 
it's good to get that because there are so many people that are probably standing there and you, you didn't hear Jeremy. You haven't gotten alive yet. You didn't hear better man. Maybe they haven't had a lot of songs to really sing along to. This is, this is probably one of the few that is for them. Yeah. Again, it was the novelty of it too. Like but it being only the second time, like, and they've only done it 21 times. It's not like they break it out at every show. So, I, I get it. The meaning behind the song is, is something that Ed talks about a lot. Like it's obviously something he's gonna he's gonna latch on to, but yeah, it doesn't do anything for me. Yeah. Same same here. It's just is is what is and you move on to the next one, which is the next one has more of a talking point. So he said we received a letter from a thirteen year old who left this life way too soon. It's a tragedy, but not the amount of time that you have. His river was much deeper than it was wide. So this one goes out to Joey Thomas. And you know, I I'm gonna refer to a couple nights later or a week later when they played this in Memphis. And this was the highlight of my Memphis trip was seeing them play Come Back, uh, dedicated to Ike Owens, who uh played in Jack White's band who had just passed away. And you really got to in that moment feel what the band was going through and feel them grieve. And that's something that doesn't happen every night. I, I think I've always thought Come Back is one of those songs where if they're going to play it, it's going to be for a purpose. They're not going to play this song just because, hey, we need kind of a song with like a, a swing vibe to it, with with like a like a different kind of groove. No, they're, they're playing it because something happened, and it's a tribute to someone. Like, I don't think that you could find too many versions of this song where it's not, it's, it's not a dedication. Oh, know that I still remain true I've been wishing out the days Please sit it in You have the gold now I wouldn't have lost you another way From wherever you Yeah, and I think, you know, Brock had put this on, on his list as well, and and this is, uh, it's just great. I mean, it's, it always, like like you said, it, it has the dedication, it's, it's powerful, and I think they really elevate this song to another level. I mean, that, that Memphis version that you and I saw was great, but I think this one is even better. Stone, really? Stone and Mike at Stone and Mike at the end just combining and playing off each other. I thought I thought this was very nearly transcendent. I yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah, I'm not gonna put this ahead of Memphis, but this this was great. Like I I I I have I, the Memphis one almost had me in tears. Uh, like that that was something I've never I've never had a moment like that. Uh, being that close to the band, I don't, I don't know if I could put that up with them. But it, it's, it, it is everything else that you said, though. 
uh, Mike's guitar just sings to you on this. Uh, it, undeniable. And really fitting an identity and fitting an emotion here. But I want to I wanna send it to, to Brock. Like you mentioned, this was one of the moments that he really liked from this show. I believe it was his number one moment. So let's hear from him and what he had to say about being in the crowd for this. In the little bit that I've written on the website, little snippets here and there, I mean, part of what really connects me with this band is their their connection with the fans and, and also just kind of how they approach all the social aspects of music. And the introduction, you know, was mentioning uh, parents who'd lost a son and, and you know, how important that son was to, to his parents and, um, and everyone who knew him. And then I just thought it was just a wonderful performance. I, it, it probably stands out as my, my favorite performance I've ever heard, but just because of the meaning behind it. I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't just them playing a song and, and checking one off that, that hasn't been played in a long time. It was, you know, that you, could, you, could, you could feel how much they felt it. So that elicits something pretty special, just passionate, powerful. You don't get that every night. Like that's, 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 that's something different. That's something special. And it'll lead you back in and it kind of, you know, you're getting punched in the throat right away after it because you're getting state of love and trust luke and porch all back to back to back it's just very standard approach for a festival set but you're not necessarily getting hit hits like there's no better man there's no jeremy kind of stuff state of love and trust probably pretty popular with some of the casuals in the crowd but it it wouldn't hit like a better man or jeremy so this is more geared towards people that are going specifically for Pearl Jam. That's what these sh- these songs are for. There was one moment in, in Say to Love and Trust, I don't know if you caught this, but he, he points to the crowd. He's like, that's funny. Yeah. And I have no yeah. idea what that was. Yeah. I don't, and we should have asked Brock when he, when, uh, when we had him, but I'm sure it was some sign that he pointed out yeah. or something like that. Yeah. I, I did. I did notice that. That was, that was weird. It's, it's, it's a lot of energy. And if, if you want to yeah. harp back on, kind of the five songs that really burst through to start the show. This is kind of like their five song stretch along with alive and rocking that kind of end the show. There's some synergy there. If, if you want to say sure. that, but sure. it seemed like we were supposed to get life wasted in black on the set list along with kick out the jams before rocking in the free world. We didn't get those, but I think this all worked pretty well. This all sounded pretty good, but nothing 
that again, going back to like what your expectations are, it, it hits and meets all of the expectations, but it, it doesn't like there that that that's that. Like there's no nothing extra out of this that you can say like this is transcendent or anything like that. Not that they were looking for anything transcendent. It's just it's a thing. Yeah, the the thing that came close to me was again Ed really going out into the crowd during porch and really trying to bridge that, that gap was cool. between the thing that that really stood out as, as something something nice. But yeah, it's just you're it's it's a festival. It's 2014. You're you're getting your bread and butter here. And but it was just interesting to, to get porch like right into a live because that's something that we don't normally get. It, it, it isn't taking, something taking you back to the old days there a little bit. You're right, yeah, and and maybe even not because alive, especially in the old days, was kind of played in the middle of the set, and porch would be yeah, the closer, almost reverse. So, yeah. want me to get the numbers on that? Because I will. Wow. Okay. Uh, what's your guess on this? How many times do you think they played porch into alive in uh, their one thousand plus show history? Forty-three. You're off by about. 32 or so. Okay. It's nine. Wow. Wow. Three of them coming from 1991. One coming from 2006. That was the Irving Plaza show. Four coming from 2014. And then one from 2018. So this was a 2014 thing. Like two of those shows were Australian shows. And then one was the Heineken Festival, Gdynia, Poland. And then the other one was this show. So they're all, yeah. I think the Australian ones were big day out. So all festival shows. So Interesting. it was just kind of where the was. One thing yeah. I do want to mention, though, uh, going back to Porch. I mean, the bridge, the bridge sounds great. I thought it sounded excellent. It does. Um, but did you catch at the end there? I had never seen this happen before. And I was actually, during this version, thinking it. Have they ever broken one of the orbs? And it happened. Mike broke the orb at the end of the Uh, song. It's really hard to catch mm -hmm. at the tail end, but you can see the the neck of his guitar is in the orb, and he's like, shit, I broke it. It was bound to happen. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at them, they don't look like they're that durable, you know? They look kind of... I don't know. They they look like they can break, right? Yeah, I think they give the feel of being very hefty and very like solid. But I, I gotta think it's just like plastic or something. It's, it didn't look like a glass break. Yeah, I, I will yeah. say that. And I don't know why they would ever go on stage with swinging glass over their heads. Right, and like they, so many times we've seen like Jeff and Mike throwing them out, and then how many times have they come close to just macking them in the head? Right. Like, yeah, I think they're, they're probably just like, yeah, it's just plastic and like cheap stuff. So if, if they got, if they got hit with it, it's not going to send anyone to the hospital or anything. Right. right. But also, uh, you know, and, and call me out. If you've seen this before, if you've seen them break an orb before, no, I have not. Yeah, I haven't, but no. I'm talking about the people at home. I'm sure that they've been to lightning bolt shows that we haven't covered and, and haven't talked about yet. But if you've seen it during, especially during porch, cause that would be the one, if you've seen it, then, uh, then let us know. Cause that, that is definitely a sight to behold, but it did happen here. You had to kind of catch it on the tail end, but it does happen. 
Alive, rocking in the free world. Mike hops into the crowd during the solo for Alive. Again, far distance between the stage and the crowd. I'm sure he just wanted to be a part of what was going on there and try to get the feel and, and try to be in that crowd because it's a big crowd. I didn't get any numbers for how many people were in that crowd, but something like that's probably around like 50,000 or so, you'd have to think. Yeah, probably. Mike and Stone get some pretty good solos on Rockin' in the Free World, and it's pretty Pearl Jammy. And, and I think for a festival crowd where you want to end on something that meets the Pearl Jam criteria, I think it works pretty well. Yeah, it just felt like they were just having fun. It was like the, the, the party was on, the celebration's on. And they know they're coming back in a week, so they're, they're, just, they're just having a good time. Yep, and obviously it's it's not going to go on for 33 songs, and it's only a two-hour show, but I think they, for the most part, they did get the best of what some of the aspects of Pearl Jam are through a festival set, and that doesn't usually happen on festival shows. Usually there it's just like, you can write the set list for festival shows in a row, if they do like three or four festivals in a row, you can write the set list for all of them and then maybe switch <laughs> out you, one or two. You know, you say that and we just had that and we got what Sweet Lou and we got Let a Me Sleep. That, but that's a that's that's a different <laughs> festival. Those those are different because yeah. those are like Pearl Jam's festivals right there. Yeah. That's yeah. you know, that's Ed's that, that's Ed's creation is Ohana. So I, I I don't count that. I'm thinking like more like Austin City Limits and then playing like the Midtown music festivals and uh, Deluna and I, I don't think those set lists exactly. I don't think those set lists really stray too much. I think you usually get a lot of your same stuff. So at least like you, you get some some deep cuts, you get the hits, and you get outside of the girth of songs, you get the standard of what you would expect from a big Pearl Jam show. And I, I always thought that when going to things like Warp Tour is that all I wanted to see was just a half hour of like a preview for a band. That's, that, yeah. That's, yeah. that's all that is. Leave, leave them wanting more. Sure. Exactly. All right. Uh, pick three and uh, do a top three. Let's do that because that's, that, that, yeah. that's the schedule of what we do on the show, right? Yeah. My, uh, my top three is Long Road, uh, Love Boat Captain, and Come Back. I'm going to go Red Mosquito, Come Back, and Sirens. And Sirens isn't one that I usually add to my top three, but I really felt it yeah. from this show. I felt that there cool. was kind of a, a change in energy once Sirens hit. Cool. Yeah, can, now I we can rate it. That. Do you want to go first? Yeah, I guess. Uh, look, it's not going to be a surprise. I'm not going to rate this very high, but there aren't a lot of shows that I don't rate high. So uh, forgive me especially Brock, who kind of knew where I was coming from beforehand. I, I'll i be nice and give this a six. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not ever going to go back to it. And while, like I mentioned, for a festival show, you have like little things like the Love Boat Captain part and the tribute for Comeback and a couple other things that are kind of, spliced in a little bit like that are more memorable it follows mostly a basic festival formula and you know like nothing bad 
nothing bad at all. I don't want to make it sound like any of my opinions here made the show feel lesser than. It was just like, it, it does meet the standard, but... Sometimes you got you're looking for a little bit above and beyond, and and I felt it a little bit with some of these, but not with the full show and in, in, in its entirety. Okay. So I think six is is gen- generous on that standpoint. I'm gonna I'm gonna be a little higher. I I really like this. I thought Long Road was great. Do the Evolution Save You great? Faithful Lovebo Captain. I thought Even Flow was cool. Like the the replacements thing on Daughter really like grabbed my attention. Like oh cool replacements. Like that's awesome. Rearview Mirror is great. Comeback. Bracket in the Free World. I'm gonna give this seven and a half. I'm, it's not it's not one of those nine or ten shows. A lot of the, we've been doing some classic shows the last couple of months, but it's it's a yeah. solid seven and a half for me. And I think that's the thing when you you did all we did a whole month that we dedicated as the murderer's row and we didn't really have a down point from those shows we went from murderer's row shows to a phenomenal toronto show from 96 to randall's island and then last week which surprised me in key arena for 09 as well it's not like i want to cover a bad pearl jam show or anything like that quote unquote bad but like there are some things that expectations have been sky high for they things can't that we've all be done tense. lately. They yeah. can't. They can't. And some of them do have to be weeded into the six territory. And that's last week you, you put last week's show into six and a half. So, you know, I had, I mean, that's the same disparity. I, I had last week at what? Eight, eight and a half, yeah. something like that. Yeah. So that's the same disparity yeah, we, there. We've, we've had four tens across the board the last couple of months. So yeah. Yeah. And who can blame us? And a bunch uh, of nines. Yeah. BJ twenties in Philadelphia and stuff like that. So yeah. Yeah. Uh this this one didn't quite get the the love, but it's not it's not the lowest rating I've ever given it. It's not the lowest rating I've ever given it a show. So and I don't ever really plan to give it anything like a two. I think Matt gave a two to a show once. <laughs> yeah. A yeah. really good show, a two, by the way. <laughs> So yeah, uh, that's uh, that's that that's it for for Austin City Limits. And uh, look, if if you like this, I mean, you know, all seasons of all television shows seem to have that that one episode that was like, okay, it wasn't as good as 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 the other episodes, but next week they'll get back to their original routine, right? Yes, uh, next week should be very good. And uh, look, coming from a Connecticut resident, I am always excited to do the Hartford shows. Next week, we get to do Hartford 1998. And it is, out of the Hartford shows, probably the one I've listened to the least, if at all. So I'm very excited, and especially 1998. I think we made a promise in the beginning of the year, right? More 1998 this year. And... uh, as always, it feels like we didn't fulfill that full promise. I know we did the Crocodile Cafe. Uh, that's going on Patreon later this week. But um, we're, we're going to get we're going to get your favorite song in that one. We sure we sure sell. Right. We haven't we haven't talked about it in a long time. But we haven't probably not since since uh, since they had the 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 shaved head. Yeah. But very excited. Yield Era is, is very special. And uh, that's a Patreon request as well, going out to Jacob. So hopefully we get to tell Jacob's story in that. I'm sure he'd be willing to share. So 
That's for next week, Hartford 1998, and uh, that that won't be the last Hartford in the next calendar year because uh, we had another Hartford request, and that's going to be on our schedule for uh, 2022, and then I'm putting a Hartford on the schedule that I went to that we haven't done yet, and I'm just saying fuck it because I'm not waiting another year. That one's going to be in 2022 as well. So for all you people in Connecticut, which I know that there, there are, I know you're out there, I know who's listening, uh, shout out to you guys. Won't name everybody by name because that wouldn't be fair. I would be leaving a lot of people out. But Hartford will be well represented within the next year of Live on Four Legs. So starting next week with 1998. All right. uh, To all the Texans and Skrillex fans and Machine Gun Kelly people and uh, not the pro-lifers, but, you know, everybody else that that felt like they had a point to to yell at me and strangle me at this show. I uh, I love most of you, uh, and 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 wish you the best. And I am I am ready to fight back if if needed to put my put my fists up. So uh, hopefully you enjoyed the show. Hopefully I did your territory proud here. So we'll close this one on out. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already. Miss you always. Come back next week, and we can make fun of my territory. Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. There was a Pearl Jam show at the Meadows that happened there in 1998. We're going to talk about that next week. Hopefully, we'll see you there. Eat Boston weird. I don't think the last time we did it was good enough. Y'all didn't make enough fucking noise. Get up here and make some noise. You want Austin to go down as a bad fucking country, city, or what? For you and I